bonus episode of the Clarity Podcast. My name is Aaron Sadamire, and I'm going to be your host today. Looking forward to this time as we get to sit down, um, have a great conversation with um, Jody Dietrich. Uh, my wife, Heather, has, uh, was, has been reading her book, and um, The Jesus-Hearted Woman, and um, man, it, uh, and then so I started reading it because she said that it was not not just a book for, for ladies, but for guys, and uh, just a great interview, and to sit down with Jody and to learn from her, it becomes across very quickly that she's a phenomenal communicator, um, she's highly intelligent, and um, very wise, and uh, just, uh, it was just a joy just to sit down and have a conversation with her, and to learn from her, and uh, we talk about stamina, we talk about resilience, we talk about... Um, the idea that uh, we do need to, how to, you know, Jesus didn't say yes to everything, how he, he put um, some boundaries in place in his life and how, how living a life with limits actually helps us to be unlimited in our impact for Jesus. We also talk about um, what does her 10 um, leadership capacities, what do they look like in the time of COVID? And so it was just a great interview and um, man, she's a, she's a joy to be around and, um, just provides a lot of, of joy um, just sitting down and talking with her. So really appreciated Jody and her willingness um, to be on the podcast and encourage our encourage the audience. Just wanted to take another minute just to share before we jump into the interview, the, um, the back channel with, with Dick Foth, the back channel with Foth. Um, we're gathering questions, I'm trying to make the podcast a little more interactive with the audience. So if you have questions that would go along the, the Africa House um, growth capacities or competencies, which would be personal health, family health, um, building teams, caring for people, missiological maturity, um, self, uh, leader, self-leadership, leadership intelligence, leadership maturity, any of those type questions you can send them in. If you want to know why West Virginia is almost heaven, um, we might be able to, to delve into that too, but probably not. But anyway, if you keep them along the, uh, the Africa House growth culture competencies, they're the ones I just listed, send them to me. I'll put my, include my email um, in the show notes and uh, we'll begin to, to have those segments, the back channel with both um, in just a few days. And so I'm looking forward to the time and thankful for, for Dick Foth being willing to uh, continue to invest in us and uh, invest in the podcast. So there's still time better than now to get started. So here we go. Well, greetings. It's uh, great to be back today on the Clarity Podcast with our, our guest, Jody Dietrich. Jody, we're so excited to have you. Um, when my wife heard that um, you accepted to be on the podcast, she was jealous that she was not going to get to be the one <laughs> to interview you. Um, and uh, your books and writings have impacted um, my wife and also so what has impacted our family and uh and for the good and so i'm thankful as a husband um and she speaks so highly uh, of the book and uh, and everyone that knows you so anyway could you go ahead and just introduce yourself a little bit to the audience and uh, then we'll jump into some questions well thank you so much aaron and i already love your wife i've never met her but that's so kind and <laughs> please greet her for me i'm just so delighted to be here on the clarity podcast and it's almost nine o'clock in the well it's actually a little after nine o'clock in the morning here in the pacific northwest right outside seattle so 
coffee is part of the equation for me. Good deal. <laughs> so a little about me. Um, been married for 46 years. Thankful to be sheltering in place with my favorite guy, Don Dietrich. Um, we've shared a life of ministry, pastoring, um, various forms of leadership for over the decades, and we're both still learning and growing. In fact, I was thinking about all the people that will be listening to this podcast and how I wish I could flip the equation and, and glean from them because I know there are so many amazing um, ministry leaders that are listening and I so appreciate that. But anyway, married to Dawn, still deeply in love. We have three adult kids and three amazing grand girls. If I could, I would wow. show pictures. Um, they bring vibrancy and color and joy to my life and, sure. and they also keep my prayer muscles in good shape. I have to <laughs> So um, I would say my leadership journey has surprised me, Erin. Mm. I, I consider myself a pretty ordinary person, um, very humble beginnings. Both Don and I were the first persons in our families who ever went to college, mm. much less graduated. Don was raised on a farm in Oregon. And I'm a PK, a, a pastor's kid who grew up in very small towns, attending little churches that were pastored by my parents. And, and we got married really young and launched into pastoral ministry right after Don attended Bible college. And I worked as a dental assistant to help okay. put him through while taking a few classes of my own. And, and through the decades, I've uh, served in ministry alongside Don and, and developed my own gifts in ordinary settings through the dailiness of life. Hmm. And I like to say that I have never had a master plan for my life. What I have is a master with a plan. Wow. And that's good. so I just keep saying one more yes to Jesus. And, and that's led to some amazing God adventures where I'm usually feeling like I'm way over my head. I've um, been able to be the Women's Ministries Director for our Northwest Ministry Network and was able to go back to school and earn a master's and then a doctorate uh, in leadership studies when I was in my 50s. Wow. <laughs> so that brain uh, was really challenged at that age, um, still is. Um, and then just, you know, um, trying to find out what my next yes is. And that's led to some leadership coaching, serving as an adjunct professor. And, um, and then I also love to write. That's yeah. one of my main areas of ministry. You mentioned the book, but I also, I was a, a columnist for the Seattle Times for almost seven years. So writing wow, for a secular newspaper about issues of faith um, was a true, amazing privilege and God adventure. And so these days I do a lot of speaking and I find myself kind of coming back to just um, loving to mentor younger women, pour into them, support leaders. So um, anyway, that's kind of my life in a nutshell. Um, I, I think about the quote Soren Kierkegaard said that something like life is lived forward, but understood backwards. <laughs> and, that's good. um, and I think I would tell myself, um, my younger years, it's okay to not be fully prepared for everything that leadership throws your way because wow. what we don't know scares us. And I've gone into so many positions of leadership scared, but I find that the Lord is faithful. So yeah. I keep looking for that next yes to that's, Jesus. That's awesome. Well, as I was reading through your book, um, just a few questions that stood out and I wanted to get um, your wisdom and insight. 
And um, during this time of COVID, um, you know, I think it has tested um, some of our stamina and some of our resilience. And um, the way you discussed that in the book was fascinating to me. Um, Could you just share a little bit about that and your wisdom and insight and how you came to your understanding of stamina and resilience and then how we can grow in those two things in a a critical time um, of of a, a pandemic? Sure, those are great questions and definitely do fit the the life that we're living these days. Well, stamina is the the ability to sustain prolonged effort in some area of life. It's it's endurance, that willingness to keep going for it for the long haul. And um, in the book, I talk about elevator leaders versus stair leaders and and elevator people are those who stand around waiting for just the right door to open. They know if they can just push the right button and and get on for a quick and easy ride to the top, skipping everything else in between, then life will be great. But um, stair leaders are those who are willing to start right where they're at, putting one foot in front of the other, dealing with all the incremental in-between stuff of life and leadership. And you know what? Most of life is lived in the in-between spaces. There are some beginnings and, and then some arrivals, but most of life is about the trip in between the two, and, and that's where stamina comes in. And so um, when it comes to developing stamina, uh, recently I actually wrote a little um, kind of a little blog post, and I, and I said that the secret sauce to life is that there is no secret sauce. The more days I spend on this planet, the more I realize the good life and being my best self is really about ordinary, maybe even obvious things like show up, be kind, self-pity is a toxic bath, no soaking, start over, tell the truth, trust God, spend time with good people, call out injustice, say I'm sorry, do hard things have difficult conversations, ask for help, offer to help, look for reasons to like people, especially those different from you, laugh, forgive, whatever else you do in life, make loving your real job and repeat all of the above as needed and these will always be needed. So, you know, that little thing, do hard things, I think that's a part of developing stamina do today's heavy lifting today, not not tomorrow's heavy lifting. So I think we get overwhelmed when we bring the the cares and the requirements of tomorrow in today. Um, it, Jesus said it so well, you know, that each day has enough troubles of its own. But we develop stamina when we lift today's load. So what are the demands of love today? And in, in this time of, of the COVID crisis, what, what does loving others look like? Um, but the good thing is that the strength that we develop by lifting to de- today's load will go with us into tomorrow. Um, and we, we, your accumulated skills go with you, someone said. You, you develop life equity. But we do that yoked with Jesus because um, we can't carry the weight of the world that we weren't intended to carry. It's always in relation to being yoked with Jesus. Um, I think another way that we grow in stamina is that we, we don't compare 
our beginning with someone else's middle or our middle with someone else's finish line because that will <laughs> that will eliminate our capacity for stamina we can look at accomplished people and see only their areas of completion or achievement and we forget that they too walked this long expanse that included a beginning zone and a prolonged middle stretch that was often monotonous and hard and discouraging and and can i say here Erin, that there will always be someone who can do it better than you can, whatever it is. And so just get over it and get on with it. Yeah. So confession is good for the soul. A while back, I was scheduled to speak at a conference on the East Coast. And the week before, I was attending a local conference where the speaker was phenomenal. I mean, she is such a wordsmith and has such a presence and anointing. And I was taking copious notes and, you know, just drinking it all in. And then this little niggling thought crept in just for a split second or two. Maybe I'm not really called to be a speaker after all. <laughs> Maybe I should just call and, you know, cancel next week. And not really, but, you know, almost. And now at this point in my life, I know better than to get caught in that sticky web of comparison, you know, where the, those poisonous spiders of jealousy and insecurity and competition can paralyze you and, and um, suck the heart out of your leadership. But guess what? No matter how many years of experience you have behind you, or no matter how many degrees on your wall or leadership medals on your chest, you never are past the need to watch out for that sticky web of comparison. Um, and that will um, steal our stamina if we, if we let it. Um, I, I think sometimes that if only the best of the best could play, you would never have an orchestra. If only first chair instrumentalists were allowed on stage, we would never hear a symphony. So, so even if someone can do it better than us, we, they can't play your instrument. And so your best role is being you. So, so just, um, just get on with it. Um, get on with what God has called you to do. So one other thing that I want to mention on developing stamina is that sometimes we have to make peace with the unfinished. A lot of angst in life has to do with what is undone. And in the world of ministry leadership especially, and certainly I would think in missions work, there's always more undone than, than is done. And, but we need to know that not done yet is not the same thing as will never be done. And so as leaders, we're often called to live with the tension of the unfinished. And once in a while, we do get a glimpse that what we're doing is making, making a difference. But a lot of the times we just, we live in the dark, but that's where seeds are supposed to live. <laughs> Um, back in, in 2017, I was invited to speak at a conference in Barcelona, Spain, and I got to take my 17-year-old granddaughter with me. It was a, a wonderful God, God adventure. But Erin, um, I don't know, have you ever been to Spain? I'm not. I, I, in and out of it, but I couldn't. Yeah, I wasn't there long enough to yeah, say I've been there too long. Yeah, there's an amazing cathedral there called Sagrada Familia, and it's massive. You know, 14,000 people can fit inside, and it's the tallest religious structure in the world, and I can't even describe how majestic and it is. But one of the most remarkable things was that it, the construction of it began in 
1882, and 135 years later, it's still under construction, and it's wow. not scheduled to be completed until 2026. But the architect, the, the, the master architect behind Sagrada Familia was Antony Gaudi, and he felt like he was serving God through architecture, and he wanted to start something so grand that he knew he wouldn't live long enough to see it finished. And um, he said of God, his client, my client is not in a hurry. And so I think that we develop stamina when we live with the tension of the undone and remember that we're working on something that will outlast us. And so whatever the realm of our leadership, we're called to work for God and he's not in a hurry and he's the finisher. Philippians 1, 6, he who began that good work will carry it on to completion. And, and so the farther we get down the road, we can look back and say, yeah, there are things that did get finished. God completed this work that I started, but there's more finished work ahead. So that's um, that's a little bit about stamina. So so let's look at at, at resilience. That other um, word that you ask about. Now the difference between stamina and resilience is the difference between telling someone to keep going, which is stamina, or to resume to start again, which is resilience. Resilience implies that there's been some kind of break in the action. Something has stopped and needs to start again. Um, resilience is the capacity to recover from difficulties, the ability to spring back and, and restart after being knocked down by life. Um, in, in my book, The Jesus-Hearted Woman, I have a chapter called The Cringe Factor, which is about resilience. And, and that's, you know, those things that we look back and we cringe, you know, either from regret or maybe from pain. And, and I talk about three uh, parts of, of that cringe factor. And one of them is, you know, my bad. And the other is, um, which is like, things that I've done that I just go, oh, that was, you know, that was terrible. I, I was not a good leader in that situation. And, and we have to remind ourselves um, that there is no rewind. There's only redemption. And, but that's why Jesus came. We're not defined by our last big mistake. And so I often um, kind of tell myself, face yourself and then grace yourself the way Jesus did. We, we are the beloved, not the berated. And, and so sometimes just knowing, go, going back and revisiting the grace that we share with the world. We talk to others about grace all the time, but we have to, to live that. And that gives us that resilience. The other way that we sometimes cringe is, we, I call it their bad, when people do bad things to us, spiritual bullies, disloyal colleagues, those who hurt us. Um, writing for the Seattle Times, Aaron, I got a lot of, you know, reader feedback and some of it would, you know, singe your eyelashes because wow. um, people, when you're writing about Jesus and about faith in a really kind of post-Christian, uh, very skeptical towards anything that smacks of traditional religion in their eyes, organized religion, people are very vocal and, and are not afraid to call you out and cut you down. <laughs> but um, one of the things that I learned there was don't give small people big power over your life. That's good. Uh, don't, don't let troubled souls make you a troubled soul. You know, if you're called to do something, even when you get the wind knocked out of you, 
you keep going, you get back up and you go, oh, that hurt. <laughs> but I, I have a heart, higher calling and I don't answer to people. Yes, we, we take feedback and we, we uh, grow from criticism. I'm not talking about just discounting that, but um, not giving spiritual bullies the power to take us out, I think is, is really important in ministry. And then the other part of that, that cringe factor is just too bad. You know, just the struggles of life that can overwhelm and perplex us, you know, finances, war, pandemic, sometimes these things can stop us in our track. Um, during this time of pandemic, we got a, a call one day from um, the wife of one, uh, just they're, they're our best friends and one of my husband's very best friends. And he'd gone out for a bicycle ride and was hit by a car and killed tragically. And um, these have been, you know, just dear friends from our early 20s and we love them so much and this is a godly amazing man and so it felt like you know life had just punched us in the gut when the baseline of life was already hard with with pandemic and all the things that are happening and then something else comes along and sometimes it just feels like too much and and I remember the next day I was scheduled to go and shoot a video for a church that I was supposed to speak at um, down in the San Diego area, a large church. It was about 3,000 people attend this church, and I was going to do the, um, the message for, for that and send that down there. And that day, after hearing about the death of our friend, I, all I wanted to do was sit home in my sweats and drink coffee and cry, <laughs> to be honest. Sure, I'm sure. And, and, um, but resilience um, allowed me to go, you know what? through Christ, I can, I can do this hard thing. I can get up, I can keep going. And, um, and, and so I asked for prayer. I think sometimes the bravest thing we can do is to ask for help um, and to share our stories, to share the hard things that we're going through, to, to listen to the, the stories of resilience in others will give us the strength to keep going and to know that we're not going alone. So, you know, um, I read a little card that said, everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. And so <laughs> I think I'm still here. So it's not the end. There's more for me to do. And so with God's help, I'll get up one more time and I'll get on with it. So, yeah. yeah. That is great. Thank you for your wisdom. Um, that is, that's gold there. That is gold. The other thing was I was reading through through your book. Um, you discussed treasures in dark places, and um, you know I think one thing this pandemic and I've I've shared is you know it's kind of like we're being squeezed, and um, yeah. and some of the things that are coming out of us, some you know I've said some of the juice that's coming out of Aaron Santamaria is sweet to drink, and some of it yeah. is is uh, <laughs> not the juice that I thought was in there, but it is coming yeah. out. And you talk about that um, in in dark places there's treasures. Could you just unpack that a little bit for us and your wisdom and insight and experience with that? And are we able to find those treasures in the midst of dark places or is it after? Or it just was very fascinating to me. Yeah, goodness, that's that's a great question. You know, I, I think sometimes in the darkness, it's hard to tell the difference between a rock and a ruby, <laughs> you know, between just a, a sharp, sharp stone that, that cuts your foot and a diamond. And so um, I'd say don't judge too soon. 
Um, it's okay now to know what, not know which is which. Um, I think um, those dark places we're we're kind of groping around and and trying to find that that good thing, and and it's important. And so, don't discard or discount things that you don't understand right now. And I do think you're right, Erin, that some times um, the beauty of those treasures is not revealed till later but if we throw them out too soon we won't have that well, so um, but I think in those moments in those dark places when you do get a little light just just be on the watch for the treasures and and sometimes it's just such ordinary things it's it's the friendships you know that that deepen despite this crazy time of, of uh, social distancing that we're in, um, in our own family, we've had, we've started weekly Zoom calls. And so we, you know, every week we, our kids that live down in Oregon live, you know, and our daughter lives in Seattle. So we're kind of spread out. We haven't seen them for months, but we're, we're actually communicating more <laughs> in some ways, you know, wow. on these, these family Zoom calls, a uh, family Zoom game night we've learned to do. And it's really fun. So, um, but, but those little treasures and encouraging words that come at just the right time, don't toss that out. That's a gift from God to you. You know, the unexpected resources that show up, the, the wisdom right when you need it. Um, just even the grit to endure the hardness, um, the development of empathy, um, you know, knowing God on a whole different level, uh, time to stop and rest for some of us you know the pace of life is so so crazy and we can almost feel guilty for going oh, okay I have a little more margin now I can and take a you know deep breath and um, practice a little more silence and solitude going on walks um, that those are just these little treasures in in my own life that that have kind of revealed themselves in this in these hard places but they really only show up as treasures if we if we see them if we pick them up and we examine them as such and we we call them what they are um it kind of reminds me a while back i did a kind of a talk and a study on honey in the rock um you know psalm 81 13 through 16 starts with god saying oh that my people would listen to to me and then it ends with him saying wistfully with honey from the rock i would have yeah. satisfied you and I thought about that, you know, such an odd word picture, you know, when you think about it, honey and rocks, what, what do they have to do with each other? And yet it reminds us that God often tucks sweetness into hard and unexpected places. Wow, that's um, good. Dr. Ronald Dunn, he said that good and bad run on parallel tracks and usually arrive about the same time. And, and then you think about honey itself, you know, if, if I were picking a living thing to produce something so sweet, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be an insect, you know, mm. maybe, maybe a bunny, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but no, God picked a bug. And if I were picking an insect, it wouldn't be one that had a stinger, you know, that could hurt you again. That's good. It's that good and bad on parallel tracks. And, you know, Israel was this really rocky country and there are a zillion rocks there, but, but sometimes the bees would literally colonize in the cleft of the rocks and would, would produce these honeycombs. So you can imagine a weary traveler 
going and their blood sugar is low and they're tired, but they find that honeycomb and and they're, they get strength for their journey. So, so again, just be watching for the sweetness that God um, tucks in those unexpected places for you, those hard places, and, and taste and see that the Lord really is good, even in times like this. Yeah, that's powerful. That is powerful. One of the other things that stood out as I was reading your book is you shared that I am not the hero of my story, Jesus is. And um, how does this understanding, to me, that that's honestly is, is profound. And how has, have you found that, how has that influenced your life and mission as you've put that into practice that, that it's not for my name, but his, and that my goal is for, for him to be the hero of my story, not for, for me to be the hero. Yeah. Oh my goodness. If, if I have even an ounce of courage or, um, to even say that next, yes, it's, it really is because Jesus is the hero of my story and because I'm learning what it means to tenaciously abide in him, um, waiting in him, seeing him show up in my weakness, you know, so often in the, the human way of leadership, we want to flaunt our strengths and we want to show what we can do. And um, over and over again, I'm finding out that I, what I bring into the equation for the most part is weakness and, and, but a willingness to um, make space for his greatness, a willingness to, to give place for his glory to be um, manifested in me. And so, so when I say that little weak, okay, God, yes, I'll, I'll step forward. And then he shows up in his power and he does things that I know in my heart of hearts down to, you know, the depths of my soul that I could not have accomplished that. I could not have uh, brought about the life transformation that he um, has, has um, created through maybe through words I've shared or spoken or through something I've written and I see him show up. Um, then again, I get to just point to him and say, you know, it's Jesus. It really is Jesus. He, he is the hero. And um, as John the Baptist said, he, he must increase. I must decrease. And the older I get, <laughs> the farther along I get in this journey, the more, real that is to me you know um sometimes i think the older we get the less we know <laughs> in some yeah, ways because we're sure. like oh my goodness we we didn't realize how much there is still to learn um you know a while back i i wrote something in my journal and um i just wanted to share it here when you told me about this question aaron i i wrote when the journey is too long jesus when the weight is too heavy Jesus. When the questions keep coming, but the answers do not. Jesus. When worries chase and peace eludes. Jesus. When others turn away and loneliness lurks in every crowd. Jesus. When in every way I am not enough and life is too much and heaven is too far. Jesus. When doubt loses its grip and trust holds on. Jesus. When laughter bubbles up and joy seeps in, Jesus. When darkness is chased into a small corner by the brilliance of an unrelenting light, Jesus. 
When friends draw near and hearts embrace Jesus. When hope stands on tiptoe and looks into the face of God, Jesus. Jesus in all of life, Jesus is all of life. And that really kind of describes what I mean about Jesus being the, the hero of my life. In every moment, in every breath, um, he really is the one who is the author mm -hmm. of my story and the finisher of my story and all the pages in between. And I just have to keep looking to him and, and he's there. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is amazing. The other thing is, as I was reading through your book, you talk about soul care, and um, I, I'm going to read the, the quote. It's that the right kind of limits help us to be more unlimited in our influence for Jesus. And um, can you just give some, share some of your wisdom and insight and experience on how you said you talk about Jesus? He he withdrew, um, and um, you know Jesus didn't respond to every request, and. Um, just some from your wisdom and experience, how can we as missionaries and the other people that are listening in, um, how do we, how can we choose the right kind of limits? So we're um, more un unlimited, or as you put it, unlimited in our influence for Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's such a good question too. Uh, you know, establishing healthy personal limits is tied to perhaps the the most overlooked fruit of the spirit which is self-control it's in that list in galatians 5 22 and 23 and and you think about it and think about how many people good people have been disqualified because they lacked self-control and violated their personal limits in, in one area of another or another, like in their finances or sexuality or, or the way they related to authority, um, relationships or, or even a healthy lifestyle, um, you know, not taking care of their physical bodies. And, and in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, Paul uses an athletic metaphor to show us how the limits that we impose on ourselves really free us to be more effective in bringing the gospel to others. He says in verse 27, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And we all know that, you know, Olympians those are serious, high-performing athletes limit themselves in certain ways with, you know, maybe how much or what they eat or by avoiding certain activities that could harm them or displace their training time um, in order to break limits in other ways. And the same holds true with us. The right kind of limits help us to be more unlimited in our influence for Jesus. And, you know, life without limits is not good for us. Um, I think especially in the American culture anyway, we're told that you can be anything and do anything you want. Well, you know what? No, you can't. <laughs> you can't be the person <laughs> sitting next to you. <laughs> you don't have their gifts or skills or capacity. Um, your best role is you being you. And, and yet, even as believers, sometimes um, we act as if we have this endless supply of energy and emotional capacity and physical and emotional stamina and, and time. But deep inside, we know better because 
having it all, being it all, doing it all, that's only something that our infinite creator can claim. And, you know, only God is infinite. We're finite. And so when we ignore limits, we're not being godly. We're trying to be like God hmm. in that in that way that that um didn't work out so well in the garden of Eden, did it? And so, so we humans live life best when we live it in portions, um, honoring the God design limitations placed upon our existence. One analogy that I, I like to think of is, you know, if you enjoy eating a steak, you know, consider having this great big steak sitting on your plate and it, it's delicious and wonderful. But if you try to eat that whole big steak steak in one bite if you tried if you even could put it all in your mouth it, it could kill you <laughs> literally for you, sure you would, you would choke on it but if you cut it into portions and and take that portion that's for this bite and then the next bite you'll you'll have a good um experience and you'll be nourishing your body and, and the same is true with with even our work for god um sometimes we we see it and it's like this great big piece and we feel like we have to get it all down in one bite and you know this is su such a big thing and it will be good if i can accomplish this but um we need to know what is what is today's portion what is to even even hour by hour what is my bite <laughs> for this hour or for this minute I think something else, Erin, is that we need to discern between good intentions and God intentions. Well, that's good. Um, rem remember how David wanted to build the temple for, for the Lord, and, and God said, that's not your job. And so sometimes we ask, God, what do you want me to do today? And I'm learning to ask, too, God, is there anything I'm planning to do today that's not on your list for me? Um, we maybe need to make it to don't list <laughs> instead of just a to do list. Um, one practice that I've developed and, and it seems so simple and silly, but I've learned to say, and I will say this literally out loud, what I've done is enough for now. Um, what I've done is enough for now to just remind myself that this piece is is all i can handle for right now without pushing myself into a place that's unhealthy where i'm dangerously tired where i'm striving only in my own strength when i'm when i'm frantic and restless that frenetic energy where it's like i just have to get this done um so so that's kind of um what i've learned about limits and um, still, still learning that because as ministry leaders, again, the need, Alicia Bridgely said that need is a voice that never says enough. You know, wow. it never says enough. There's always more, but, um, but taking that bite for today yeah. is so important. That's good. Thank you so much. Last question. Um, you, your book talks about the 10 leadership qualities how do the do you think that they look any different in a time of uh, this COVID pandemic, or do you think they're they're exactly the same? And how are how is God speaking to you in this in this time of the pandemic about those ten leadership qualities? Mm. 
Wow. What a great question to, to kind of wrap things up with. Well, I'll have to say, I will be glad when in-person is a thing again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I know those extroverts out there among us are just like, you know, just running in circles, I'm sure, waiting for that next, you know, meeting with their peeps. <laughs> and and the introverts are going, oh, we can make it. It's okay. We'll wait. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, that's, that is such a good question. You know, I think that self-leadership is perhaps the most crucial kind of leadership. And so when I can't be out there with those qualities quite as much, how am I developing and using them within the framework of my own life and the sphere of influence that I do have right now? So yes, all of those things still apply apply for sure you know confidence and authenticity and humility and stamina and resilience and courage and you know all of those things um they really really do apply um especially when it comes to living in close quarters maybe with the people that are in our lives i think we need extra doses of grace all around um, author Anne Lamott says that earth is forgiveness school and you might as well start at the dinner table. That way you can do this work in comfortable pants. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because it really applies to this time of just staying at home 24 seven with the people that we love, but who can get on our very last nerve. <laughs> yeah. Can I get an amen out there? <laughs> um, I have a friend who created a list of daily quarantine questions and I printed those off and put them up in my office. And these are her daily questions that I'm using. And she says, what am I grateful for today? Who am I checking in on or connecting with today? What ex expectations of normal am I letting go of today? How am I getting outside today? How am I moving my body today? What beauty am I either creating, cultivating, or inviting in today? And I, I think those are just such good questions to ask ourselves and to just kind of apply self-leadership here, hone the skills that, that God has given us. Um, you know, I, I believe one of the things even about the book that I've talked about that um, the Jesus hearted woman, I believe that if you have the heart, you can develop the skills for whatever yeah. area of leadership that God has given you. So maybe this is a time to just hone some of those skills. Um, I think it was Thomas Kingsley who said, you know, have thy tools ready. God will give thee work. So maybe this is a time for, for tool sharpening. For me, it's been a time of writing. I actually wrote a, my next book, so which will come out this fall. So it's kind of doing what we can with what we have, loving the people around us. Um, for me, being a Jesus-hearted leader is the journey of a lifetime, but it's also the journey of every ordinary day. And I've, I've come to discover that God's masterpiece over the long haul is better than the quick paint-by-numbers picture that I'm pleading for today. So um, I would just close maybe with this quote by Pierre Chardin. He said, above all, trust in the slow work of God. 